Well, 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 good evening. Welcome. Brian Noonan, 720 WGN. It's Nightside. Is that what we're calling this uh, this spot now? Nightside? Yes. Oh, it's Nightside. Uh, I am here till the early morning side, till 1 a.m., and then Nick D. will be here. Very excited. White Sox won, and what an important night to win for the White Sox in front of all those dogs in the ballpark. You can't, you can't uh, stress enough, ladies and gentlemen, how important it is to seem successful in front of your pets. I try never to do anything in front of my dogs that I might fail at because then I would drop in their estimation, and we can't have that at all. We have a big show planned. This is very exciting. Uh, Michael Heideman is the executive producer. So when you call in at 312-981-7200 to join in the festivities, you must be nice to him. Then you'll get to me. That's how it works. You can also keep in touch with us via social media. It's Brian Noonan Show on Facebook and Twitter. Just a few minutes, we'll be talking to Julie Stark from the Chicago Lighthouse to find out about a big event they have on Navy Pier coming up this Saturday. We will also talk about uh, where does a school's responsibility begin and where does it end as opposed to uh, a parent's responsibility? We will talk to us. Uh, so you know I can't be on the air without talking about some sort of beer-related event. There is a huge event with two breweries, Beguile and Dovetail. It is their Oktoberfest anniversary. We will talk to uh, the guys from both breweries about that. And after midnight, you know what day it is. Unfortunately, it is the 18th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks. We will talk a little bit about that and how, you know, the fact that it is 18 years, I can't believe it. But we'll talk about all of that and a whole lot more because uh, that's what we do when we're here. Everything good, Michael? You excited? Michael's on the phone getting our guest all lined up, so I shouldn't have talked to him at this point. And then Vic Vaughn will be doing the news. I am uh, I'm a little tired. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm very excited. I spent the, uh, the morning... Uh, those of you who don't know, I substitute teach, and uh, today I was with three- to five-year-olds in an early childhood program. So I have been uh, chasing three- and five-year-olds for most of the day. And then I come in here and I get to act like a six-year-old. So it should be, it should be very exciting. I am, uh, I am looking forward to it. <laughs> we, will see, uh, we will see what happens. Big news today, of course, the new iPhones came out. We'll be talking about that. I these early adopters, I am not one of them. I... The only reason I changed my iPhone, I think I had an iPhone 4 or an iPhone 5, one an early one, before they started getting really fancy. And then last Christmas, my wife and daughter thought they were going to be very generous. And they were very generous. I shouldn't say thought they were going to be. And uh, it turned into a whole thing. So we'll talk about that new iPhone, too, because uh, do you have yours already, Michael? You're a, you're a hip early adopter. I know that. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I have an iPhone. I don't know if it works very well, but oh. yeah. Oh, you didn't go out and get the new ones today? I did not. I didn't. I... Or they didn't release them today. They just announced them today. Well, did not... you mark it on your calendar? You know, it, it was. It was circled a few times. He, right, he must excited. have gotten the inside scoop. No, I, well, I'll share it with everybody. I'm not, uh, you know. Oh, okay, I can't wait. I'm not the kind of guy. <laughs> excited I'm now. I'm not the kind of guy to keep information to myself. <laughs> I'm kind of a chatterbox, Michael. I don't know if you know that. So oh, I, I will kind of know that. Yeah, I will share. <laughs> I will share information. If something comes across my desk, if it's in my purview, I will. Uh, I will spread. I will disseminate said information. Speaking of disseminating information, let's uh, let's disseminate some information about an organization that uh, many of us have heard about for years. If you haven't, you are going to hear about them now. They have a wonderful event coming up Saturday on Navy Pier, and I'm talking, of course, about Lighthouse Chicago. Julie Stark is vice chair of the board of directors of the Chicago Lighthouse and one of the board liaisons for the center stage event, which is what I've been talking about. That is coming up Saturday on Navy Pier. Julie, thanks for staying up late. Good to talk to you. Hey, good to talk to you, and I want one of those iPhones. 
Of uh, well, sure. Who doesn't? They've got like I think eighty-seven phones or eighty-seven cameras on them. I don't know if you can make a call anymore, but uh, right, they look Sign good. Me up. It's going to be very exciting. <laughs> do you early adopt things? I do. I try to. I try to. They've got good good accessibility features too. So I, I'll, I'm looking forward to seeing what the eleven is all about. Well, I'm excited. I just got the, a new type of phone. It's rotary. Have you heard of that one? It's very exciting. Cutting edge. Kids haven't seen it. Nobody's still seen it. plugs in the wall. Yeah, right. I know about the plug in the wall. <laughs> the I'm the all wall. about it. Still at my mom's <laughs> house. I go down in the basement. There's the old phone that I used to stretch the cord into the bathroom to make converse, to, to make calls with. But anyway, Absolutely. Julie, that's not, that's not why we're here. We're, I mean, it could be, but I'm sure we want to talk about some other things first. For those, like I said at the beginning when I introduced you, people have been hearing about the Chicago Lighthouse for years and years, and some people know what it is. But some may be a little foggy on the details. Tell everybody what, what you guys do with the Chicago Lighthouse. Well, thanks for asking. The Chicago Lighthouse has been around since 1906, actually. And it is probably one of the premier social service organizations in the country as we serve uh, vision rehabilitation. Uh, we do education, employment opportunities, and assistive technology for people who are blind, visually impaired, disabled, and veterans. So we do quite a bit of um, community work here in the great city of Chicago, and we're very proud of the work that we do and, and the people that we serve. And it, as you said, it's been 1906, is that what you said? Yeah. That's that's yeah. a long time. So people should know, and, and the people who have... who. Uh, need your services, obviously they know because you've been doing this. One of the things you do is try to raise awareness, too, and you try to, uh, you're, you're focusing on inclusion, which, is, which has got to be hard if you're, if you're blind or visually impaired, or you, you, you must feel kind of cut off from certain parts of the world, so inclusion is very important. Yes, access and inclusion, I think, is the, is the premier message of our center stage event coming up on Saturday uh, at Navy Pier. And I think that it's, you're, you're absolutely right, Brian. We uh, do our best to help people to see how they can open doors. And the truth of the matter is, is uh, employers can open doors. Citizens walking down the street can open doors. Uh, there are many, many ways that people can provide access and inclusion for all people with disabilities, uh, people who are blind and visually impaired, and also people of, of many different abilities. There are many opportunities. And uh, that's one of the things that we're really hoping to do at this event is to raise awareness not only about the power and beauty of what people with disabilities can do, and in this case, what they can do with their art, their, their beautiful art, but also uh, we'll have some sponsors there and community partners that are going to talk about the ways that we can provide access and inclusion for people with disabilities. So it's going to be quite quite the party going on at Navy Pier this Saturday. And that's what we're talking about, the Center Stage Concert at Navy Pier this Saturday, September 14th from 11 to 2. Uh, it's adjacent to the Ferris wheel, so it's, it's easy to get to. You go to Navy Pier, ask where the Ferris wheel is, look around, there it is, and you guys will be there. Now, it's you're showcasing... Uh, inclusion you're you're showcasing art what what kinds of what kinds of acts will be on the concert well we have quite a lineup uh this is going to be a performance extravaganza i would say we have storytelling comedians we have uh, dance performance and music uh and we have our our showcase and primary 
performance artist is a young man by the name of Avid Ray, who is all of seven years old, and already he's been on the Today Show and American Idol. He's a piano virtuoso, and he's going. Uh, he's coming in from Dayton, Ohio, to be with us, and he will be our, our premier star. But we have many other people of all, all abilities, actually, um, coming from, like, for example, the School of Rock from Oak Park will be there with nice. us. Uh, we're going to have, um, I don't know if anybody was at the Chicago Bulls uh, game one day when they uh, showcased the winner of the talent search of 2018, uh, Dallas the drummer. He's a 10-year-old drummer who's going to be there with us showing us his rhythms. Uh, that's going to be pretty amazing. We have um, jazz artists. We have an integrated dance performance uh, by an organization that maybe people have heard of called Momenta. Okay. Uh, these are dancers of all abilities doing integrated dance together on the stage. So uh, that's a very unique and unusual residential performance program out of Oak Park also. Uh, and we have our own in-house rap artist, uh, Martel Hill, will be there with us from the Chicago Lighthouse, uh, who also performs around the city. We have magicians. It's really going to be a family-friendly, uh, like I said, a, a performance spectacular. So hopefully people will come out. And I just checked the weather. It's supposed to be Sunny and beautiful and 77. Oh, yeah. It's supposed to be gorgeous this weekend. <laughs> gorgeous. You did say it's going to be a spectacular, an extravaganza. Now, I hadn't heard of Abbott Ray before, but then when I knew you were coming on to join us, I did a little research. And this is, for those who haven't seen this kid, it's amazing. Here's a little taste of Abbott Ray. a rocket man that's so that that young man he's seven years old and he's like you said he's visually impaired it's uh, watching him play i I don't know it's he plays like anybody plays better than most people he's as a seven-year-old but it's it's beautiful to see that he's not held back by any limitations well that's that's exactly right and What's so amazing is, uh, first and foremost, this event and all of the artists that will be there, uh, I think it's a a lineup of 13 different performances, Uh, the first and foremost is that people want to bring their art. And art and performance art, in this case, I don't know if people remember, last year the Chicago Lighthouse brought visual arts to the Magnificent Mile with our Chicago Lighthouses on the Mag Mile. Yes, yeah, they were beautiful. Remember that? Yeah, so this year we wanted to, again, provide the opportunity for artists to bring what they love most, which is their art first, and then also bring the message of access and inclusion so that we can see that uh, when we come together and when we look to see this beautiful art that everybody wants to be a part of, we're also bringing a message that access and inclusion for people of all abilities is what the community is all about. So, so it's the best of both worlds. Now, Julie, you you talked about earlier what people can do to help. And besides coming out to the Center Stage concert on Saturday at Navy Pier, uh, starting at 11, running through 2, a lot, and entertainment and performance extravaganza, if I may uh, borrow your <laughs> term, and I think I will. Please do. <laughs> so how far, how far have we come toward inclusion, and where, where are we still sorely lacking? This is a good question. Well, one of the things uh, that I'm very proud to say is that many of our sponsors 
who will be represented at the at the center stage event are businesses and organizations that are doing their part to bring people with disabilities into their ranks. Uh, as we know that people with disabilities, it's probably about a, a 78%, somewhere in the 70s, unemployment rate. And so when people like Walgreens and Jewel Osco, uh, these types of organizations that are, we're proud to say are sponsors for us this um, in this event, when they do their best to really be beacons of light for hiring people with disabilities. That's that's one way. And as I said before, uh, not all of us is at the top of a big organization like Walgreens or Julasso, right. but I think each of us has an opportunity to open a door in our own way. And I think when you ask what else can people do and where are we lacking, sometimes it's just being aware of what you can do to help a person with a disability when you are at your college, when you are uh, in your home, in your neighborhood, on the streets. So there's uh, many, that's the type of thing that I think uh, people can think about when they're at the event and beyond. Uh, maybe those are the things that people really appreciate. It's just the awareness that when you're in the midst of someone with a disability that you recognize uh, their ability and recognize when they need help. And sometimes people feel a little uh, they don't want to they don't want to offend someone by offering help. But, you know, if you if you offer it nicely, I'm sure the whoever you're offering it to is going to take it in that same spirit. I agree. I agree. And and a, a good question is simply, how can I help if I can? Yeah. And maybe and people I think most people are very responsive. And of course, many people who get around and are very independent, I think, are comfortable to say, Thank you so much, but I, I, I'm okay. I'm, I'm good. good. How does Chicago you know? stack up uh, against other cities as far as inclusion and accessibility? Well, I think, as we know from uh, Marca Bristow, who just passed away most recently this past weekend, uh, she was a perfect example of the kind of work that Chicago uh, does and has been doing to create ability and, and access to people with disabilities. I think Chicago does a great job. I think Mark is a perfect example of bringing lifts to buses. Uh, Pace, who is also one of our sponsors, does a great job of providing uh, you know, disability access on the bus system that many, many people use every single day. Um, I think Chicago is doing a great job, and she was a great advocate that made a lot of that happen. So I, I, think, I think we do a great job as a city. Well, there's always work to be done, though. There is, yeah, there is always work to be done, and for a city of this size, it's good to hear that uh, that things are, while they're not finished, they're going in the right direction. And uh, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure the people who need these services appreciate that, and I think we all should appreciate that it's a it's a priority for, you know, for us. Now, the other priority, Julie, should be getting people to Navy Pier on Saturday. Because the, the center stage concert starts at 11 o'clock. It runs till 2. If you're looking for the concert, look for the Ferris wheel. Just go to the Ferris wheel. Everything will be adjacent to that. Uh, wonderful performers, all kinds of people demonstrating their arts. You said there's, there's dancers, there's musicians, there's magicians, there's comedians. <laughs> and then there is a 7-year-old Avid Ray who is coming in, and he is a, a piano sensation. 
you've seen him on TV. Uh, it's going to be a wonderful day. Uh, we thank all the people who are sponsoring this for the Chicago Lighthouse, all the companies that are that are helping out. People, uh, if people want to, if people want to help, where can they go to help? If they want to go to help, absolutely they can go and learn more about the event and about the Chicago Lighthouse at chicagolighthouse.org. There you can see many opportunities to help, donate, get involved, and be a part of the community mission. And I thank you so much, Brian, for for helping us to get the word out. It's my pleasure, Julie. Have a great event on Saturday, and uh, thanks for staying up. It's good to talk to you. We'll talk again soon. Have a great evening. Take care. You too. That's Julie Stark. She's the vice chair of the board of directors for the Chicago Lighthouse. She's also one of the board liaisons for the center stage event, which, again, is this Saturday at Navy Pier, 11 to 2. Uh, Go see some wonderful people performing their art and sharing their gift with you. All right. On the other side of the news, oh, boy, there's there's a school making some demands. But is it the school's place? I don't know. We'll figure it out because that's what we do. We just figure things out. Yeah, well, ZZ Top. Sharp dressed man Brian Noonan at uh, WGN Nightside. Michael Heideman behind the glass. Picking out the music. I trust Michael's musical taste implicitly. If you have not seen Michael uh, performing out and about as Michael J. Foxy, playing his uh, his git box, his six-string virtuoso machine. He's out uh, He's out all around. Where's this? Uh, do you tell people about this open mic that you host? Do you do you allow people to come and see you, or is that uh, do you lead a separate life? Are you like Clark Kent and Superman, or, or can we meld the two? <laughs> yeah, there's a password at the door that I have Oh, I like that. I'm kidding. Anybody who's anybody and everybody can come to this event, uh, event uh, at this open mic that happens at Bill's Bar and Burger on 30 East Hubbard Street, right by the House of Blues, every Saturday night. Nine to midnight. Very nice, and you are the host. And I am the host. You yes. are the host. Very nice. And uh, I just you played ZZ Top. I just saw them Saturday night. You, uh, they were in town. They were in t- at Tinley in at the uh, I don't know what it's called anymore. Yeah, uh, I'll still call it the World, the oh, World <laughs> Music Theater. Oh, yeah. I think it's the Hollywood Tweeter Casino Center. Amphitheater oh, now. Hollywood Casino. It was the Tweeter Center mm-hmm. at one time. It was also the Odyssey uh, Theater at one time. Jeez. It was also it was the World. Then it was the New World. Mm-hmm. Then I think it was the Odyssey. Then it was the Tweeter Center. Uh-huh. Then it was uh, First Midwest Bank Amphitheater. Yeah. And now it is the Hollywood Casino Amphitheater. And next year, I'm going to own it, and I'll just <laughs> yeah. be a Noonan's House of Tunes. <laughs> so everybody come out, sit on the lawn, have some fun. Uh, ZZ Top celebrating 50 years together. Wow. The same three dudes. Uh, the beards were magnificent. As, except for the drummer, uh, Frank Beard, who ironically does not have a beard. Uh, that, that is, is weird. And it is fun. And they introduced him saying, we've been trying to figure this out for 50 years. The one guy without a beard, Frank Beard. <laughs> his and name Beard. His name Beard. You, there is no more dedication to a hairstyle than ZZ Top. They, like, yeah, from, they from had, day one. They picked that look, and come hell or high water, they were sticking with it. Yeah. It's, I, can't, I can't imagine the upkeep on a beard that long because in person they were mm-hmm. you know you see them on tv or uh, whatever and you go oh those are pretty magnificent beards you see them in person even after 50 years you go that's a, that's amazing yeah but yeah. also it's got to be cumbersome right it's so much you, i 
I've had a small beard, and, and you've had a beard yeah. as well. They, they take a lot of time and maintenance. Take a lot of time. Stuff gets caught in them. They feel weird on your face. And then to have one that hangs down like you're wearing a bib, mm-hmm. it's, uh, you know, I can't imagine the the food and the bugs and everything else that gets caught in there on just a, an average day. Right. Like, how, do you wear ties? Because you you'd always like lace it up, like no button-up shirts because you need to keep like Yeah, I don't know what you'd wear. Say goodbye to soup. I mean, oh, when's know, the last I'll, time only Billy throw a straw. It? Yeah. Has had like a great like bowl of ice cream or a or soup or something. Not in <laughs> Everything years. is in smoothie form. <laughs> if I can't drink it through a straw, mm-hmm. I'm not drinking it. That's he, the that's the ZZ Top model. He wrote a song about that actually. Did he? No, he didn't. Uh, you never know. They wrote a song about a lot of different stuff. What was cool was they played a lot of their. You know, they played Sharp Dressed Man and Legs from the that 80s MTV era, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but they played a lot of early stuff from when it was just straight up like Texas Boogie. Yeah. It was they were really good. They're they are incredible blues musicians. Yeah. Like they hang out I saw this video online and you can find it. I think it's called Guitar Moves where they teach each other like guitar players teach each other how they make their sounds. Oh, cool. And he's playing with Kid Rock and the way that that Gibbs just plays that guitar, it's something that you'll never see before. His hands just move in different ways to make that great blues sound. It's it was amazing watching him. Yeah. And then, uh, so that was that was great. And they did uh, they did a lot of the old bluesy stuff. Which did they was, play with anybody was, else? No. Oh, they just just them. They just well, there was no wait. That was was that cheap trick? Yeah, somebody I don't know. Somebody brought out somebody okay uh, to play with them. I can't remember. Cheap trick opened the show, but they did about the same amount of time. Jeez. And cheap trick, you know, I've I've liked cheap trick since. Budokan since way back, way back in the day, Michael, before you were born. Back when we used to listen to music on these big waxy discs that are now very popular again. I've heard about that. Yeah, the albums are oh everybody, all the kids love the vinyl now. It gives a deep, rich flavor or sound. Why would you why would music have a flavor? But anyway, so they started and I'm like, I'm trying I'm with my wife and my buddies, and would in my head I'm like, all right, I gotta do how old are these guys? How old is Rick Nielsen? And I'm like, all right, well, I'm trying to remember like when uh, Live at Budokan came out because that was like the big album that broke them with Surrender and I Want You to Want Me. And I was like, I know it's it's got to be late 70s. It was 78 when it came out. So I'm mm-hmm. thinking, all right, well, they Rick Nielsen is 70 years old. Yeah. 70 years old. And this guy was jamming like there was no tomorrow. Jeez. Now, Robin Zander, the singer who sounded, he was in great voice, but he came out <laughs> in... It was almost like uh, a Nazi leather costume meets <laughs> Al Pacino in cruising. It was a weird <laughs> leather getup with this, hat, you know, like a military style hat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, pulled way down over his eyes, uh-huh. and I was like, "Well, okay, he's I think sixty seven or whatever. Maybe mm-hmm. he doesn't want. Maybe he wants to preserve that frontman image, so you don't see that you know he's a sixty seven year old guy. And there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. He's still singing." Um, a little but, flash, but then here's our, this is this was the weird part because you know he was always known for his long flowing blonde hair. Mm-hmm. So he comes out in the first two songs. There's no hair coming out of this hat, <laughs> and then he goes backstage and takes off the leather jacket to reveal just a an untucked kind of black shirt. Mm-hmm. But now there's hair coming out of the hat. Wait a minute. And I wondered if it was like, you know when you go to Spencer's Gifts, <laughs> or you see the, they do like the Rastafarian beanies with the dreads hanging off of uh-huh. them, or the fake hair? Uh-huh. I wondered if when he went back to get rid of the coat, he also put on the hat with the fake hair. Because, what? again, 
a lot of hair was outside of the hat. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Prior to prior to that, there's no way that all that hair could have been up under the hat because he had the hat pulled way down, mm-hmm. so you couldn't see it. And I was like, so I I'm curious to know. And if anybody uh, dresses Robin Zander for the shows, you can uh, anonymously just uh, tip me off if I'm right. I think I'm right that he was using fake hair on the hat. <laughs> and Tom Peterson really didn't want you to see his face because he was wearing a big uh, cowboy-style hat. Mm-hmm. And then, like, he was a train robber. He had a neckerchief oh, yeah, yeah, pulled like way up to his uh-huh. nose. Mm-hmm. And I was like, wow, either he lost his jaw or he's not aged well either, and he doesn't want anybody to see his face. It was the craziest thing. What's going now, on? Now, ZZ Top, the beards obscure their faces, so you don't know how old they are. They could be 100, they could be 6. Yeah, and they wear those, those obviously, dark sunglasses. Yes, the very dark sunglasses. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, Cheap Trick sounded great, mm-hmm. but visually, I had a lot of questions. <laughs> it's like uh, it's a show in, within a show. It was, because my, my, in my mind, I'm having a whole other conversation than what I'm hearing with my ears. You know, and I'm going, oh, boy, these, I love these songs. They sound terrific. I can't believe they're still rocking for so long. Rock and Roll Hall of Famers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I'm like, that's fake hair. I bet that's fake hair. <laughs> it's got to be fake hair. Yeah, how old is Robin Zander? Robin Zander is 66 or 67. Yep, 66 from Beloit, Wisconsin, yeah. too. Yeah, Chicago Zone is cheap trick. Yeah, they've been around for a long time. What One of those bands, and you know you know music a lot better than I do, I but it's one of those way. bands that y- you always wonder why they didn't get to that next level. They were like so close mm-hmm. to being huge. They were always well-known. They were always well-respected. Always did okay, especially in the Midwest, but they never made that next jump. It looked like they were gonna, and they had little flashes of it with, like I said, Budokan and then uh, Dream Police and The Flame. I want you to want me. Yeah. Live versions of that song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's like, I, I never could understand why they didn't hit. It's so interesting you bring that up, because I was thinking about this the other day. I was thinking, why did Cheap Trick, Chicago, um, uh, what's another good, like, Chicago-based Sticks. band? Oh, Sticks, exactly, Sticks. The the bands that, like, were on the brink of being legendary, like, first time into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, first year, they're right. in. And and I just, it just doesn't, it, it doesn't make sense to me, because they were so good but I think it's because in the 60s and 70s and 80s, during that time of music, there was just... How can you compete with Led Zeppelin? Like yeah. when, you're, when you're Chicago and you're, you know... Well, Chicago actually, and, I think... Yeah, the Ides of March was mm-hmm. another one I was going to bring up. Who You know, you have one hit. Chicago had hits and hits and hits. Unlimited, yeah. But, you know, I, I don't think you have to compete with Zeppelin or the Stones or the Beatles to, mm-hmm. be, to be that big. True. And, and I'm sure, you know... I'm sure Cheap Trick is doing just fine. Yeah, you know they've they've like I said they've been around they've been making hits. I'm sure they're I'm sure they're all fine. Rick Nielsen can still afford a four neck guitar. You ever <laughs> played one of those, Michael? A four neck guitar? <laughs> Never a four neck guitar. It was insane. He brought it out and I laughed like a maniac. Like I was back in eighth grade watching all this. Three one two nine eight one seven two hundred. We were going to talk about something else, but now we're kind of talking about music and uh, bands that you love that never really never really hit. You know, they, they did pretty good. Maybe they were huge regionally, but you you wonder why they didn't make it that much better. We'll talk to you at 312-981-7200 right after this, 720 WGN. Mother told me. Yes, she told me. We're talking a little bit of music all of a sudden. Why not? 
That is, of course, Cheap Trick. They were in town on Saturday night as part of the uh, ZZ Top 50th Anniversary Tour. And I was, uh, Michael and I were trying to figure out what it was, what it was that kept them and some other bands. They had a lot of popularity, a lot of success, but they never made that next jump to be like huge. They were, they were big. They were successful. They were just never huge. And I also uh, need to know, this is a burning question, is that Robin Zander's hair, or is, uh, does he change hats and put on a fake hair hat? <laughs> Mike has been hanging on. He wants to talk cheap trick. Hi, Mike. Hey, Brian. How are you? I'm well, thanks. Great, great show. It's good to hear you at this time of night. But I, I'll take a little exception with the fact that they never really made it big. Um, you do know they're in the Rock and Roll Hall of no, Fame. No, and I said I said that that they were in. The, oh, no, I, I said huge. You know, there's some bands that just are stratospheric. They, they've had right. they've had a lot of hits. I said that. Uh, it just seemed okay. to me that they were never there. You know, well, you hear people talk the, about all these bands, and Cheap Trick is never really in that conversation. Yeah, I, I, if you're going to compare them to Led Zeppelin or, um, you know, maybe even Aerosmith, oh, those kind of guys, Pink Floyd, yeah, they're not in that stratosphere. But these guys are, you know, give them their props. These guys are really, really good. Oh, and dude. Really, I, would... really, I, know, I know you said that, and I, I agree with you. But, yeah, if you're going to compare them to those rock gods, yeah, maybe they're not that level, but they're they're pretty good. Well, see, and, so, and the, the the reason I ask the question is because I, I, I think a lot of their stuff is on par with those those yeah, huge, yeah. huge bands. It's just yeah. one of those. So I was just, uh, you know, it wasn't. No, it, no. I'm not. No, listen, I, I'm not throwing shade at Cheap Trick. No, no, no. I, believe me, I um, they're a great band and everything, and I, it's nice to hear you at night. But uh, I had to throw that in there because they are a really good band, and they're Chicago boys too. Oh so. yeah. You know, if I could, yeah. if I could piggyback on Mike's uh, comment too, on the, on the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame website. In fact, it's funny we're talking about this. They say in their bio that fun-loving, mischievous, and cartoony cheap trick proved that yeah. bands that bands yeah. don't need to take themselves too seriously to fill stadiums. Yeah. So, right. the, the, especially I mean, early on in their careers, they were kind of cartoonish. Oh, yeah, but, uh, you know you that know. kind of I think added to the fun because a lot of these musicians, like you're you're talking about the Led Zeppelins, the Aerosmiths, they're like mythological figures. These are guys you can go to the bar with and right. hang out with. Yeah, you right. think you could sit right. down with Rick Nielsen and have a conversation, and you can. Met him, met him, he's a he's a great guy. So no, m- listen, Mike, rest assured that I that I give Cheap Trick all the props they deserve. I was I'm, just, not here to, I'm not here to debate you. I just wanted to throw that in there. I mean, no, I understand. No, I, like I said, it's good to hear you at this time. I haven't heard you in a while. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for the okay. call, man. Take All care. Right, take care. Yeah, me too. Um, somebody said, what about M&R Rush still playing all original members? I remember seeing M&R Rush at various uh, rock and roll clubs Again, back in the day when uh, when I was young and impressionable, Michael, when I would uh, you know when I'd go out to rock and roll clubs, when you had Xander hair, when I was when, oh, <laughs> just flowing I, locks. God, I wish I never had. I could never grow my hair that long. It would get down. <laughs> it would get down to like my shoulder, and then it would start to curl up, uh-huh. and it looked like a weird Marlo Thomas in that girl kind of hairdo, which I'm is going through that right now. Your well, your hair is amazingly thick. It's, it is. It's it's so thick. Like you could actually put enough hair on another person's head <laughs> just from yours. It's not super long, but it's it's very thick. It's luxurious. It's like I, a shag carpeting I'm in my jealous. head. I'm jealous. I am a uh, man. Oh, man. I used to have hair in my car. I got pictures of myself with hair. Yeah? Oh, sure. You I did. I was on the website one of these days. Well, take a look at the... We just did the back-to-school uh, mm-hmm. photo mm-hmm. thing. There's a, My senior year in high school, my picture is there. 
I had hair. Actually, oh man, parted, headed all, ooh, feathered it back. I'm gonna check it out. Do a little right Farrah Fawcett with the uh, the blow dryer. <laughs> Maybe that's why I don't have hair now. Is because I I know that's an old wives' tale or an too urban much myth. maintenance. Is what you're saying? I used a lot of product uh, back in the day. I used uh, you know probably a lot of white rain or Aquanet and uh, a lot of blow drying, mm-hmm. a lot of hot blow drying with really heavy brushes to mm-hmm. make sure it, when it went back it was not coming forward. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's uh, I'm a cautionary tale. When it comes to people and their follicles, I am definitely, I'm not, uh, listen, I'm not a role model. Mm-hmm. I'm not a poster boy for a hair. Yeah, you never just, said you were. I never you said li- I was. You live on the edge of, the edge of life, you listen, know? I keep just enough to have some, but I'm also, I'm also smart enough to know that in the next, I would say probably year, it's probably all going to go. <laughs> Get rid of it all. And then just, then, then I go for the ZZ Top. Because mm-hmm. I always... I love Ooh, yeah. I love the look of bald guys with big beards because it's like it's almost like they want to overcompensate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's like, well, I might have lost it all up here, but check this out. Yeah, I still have all my testosterone. There is no harder look <laughs> to you see a, a, a bald guy who does the beard right. You're like that guy has a tattoo and he will cut me. Yeah, yeah, this guy. Yeah, this guy's not messing around. He's mm-hmm. not afraid. He's not afraid of either look. Mm-mm. He's he's embracing it all and he's going with it. Uh, all right. On the other side of the news, we are going to talk a little beer because what the heck? It's what? Tuesday night? Who doesn't want to talk about beer on a Tuesday night? Uh, the guys from Dovetail Brewing and Beguile Brewing are going to come in. They have a big event coming up. So we will talk all about that and uh, we'll talk a little bit about beers. And if you have any questions regarding the frosty libations, 312-981-7200. Let's do this. Then it's news time. 720 WGN. Brian Noonan, seven twenty WGN. It's WGN Nightside. At least that's what they're. Uh, that's what Michael tells me to call it. He's very on top of branding. We're all about the branding. Uh, one of the things in my brand, as you know, I love to uh, research, learn about, and then share information about beer and beer events. And uh, coming up very soon. I, why do I not have it in front of me? I should. Um, Saturday and Sunday, October 12th and 13th, is the Oktoberfest anniversary, and that is put on by Dovetail Brewery and Beguile Brewing, and you could go to dovetailbrewery.com or beguilebrewing.com to get all the information. And from the breweries, uh, Hagen Dost, one of the uh, owners and brewers from uh, Dovetail is here, and Shane, I didn't get your last name, Shane? Hopkin. Shane Hopkin, and what do you do with the brewery, Shane? I'm the brand rep with the brewery. The brand rep. Oh, see, that's why you like when we talk, uh, when we mention the name. Exactly. Very nice. And Kevin Carey from Beguile Brewing is here, so welcome, guys. This is very exciting. Uh, this is This is my favorite time of year. For beer, when the, when the multi beers start coming back, the 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 fest beers and stuff. But for those who aren't may not may have heard of Dovetail and Beguile, if they're perusing the uh, the aisles wherever they buy their beer, tell us uh, how you know a little bit about Dovetail. So uh, we uh, we do continental style uh, uh, European beers uh, with very traditional methods. Okay, uh, so it's the old school methods that you'd find. Uh, say in a small family-run brewery in the middle of Bavaria, or uh, maybe up in uh, up in Belgium. Uh, and you're on the website. It says we uh, we brew like monks, except for the vows. What does that What does that mean exactly? We we go through we go through very uh, painstaking processes to uh, to create our beers, um, but we don't take the pains of making making any no, any vows to <laughs> not do anything else very nice and give us a little history on beguile kevin 
Yeah, um, so B. Galbring, um, we are actually turning seven. Congratulations, uh, so, happy uh, birthday. Thank you very much. That's where the uh, anniversary comes from. Okay. In the Oktoberfest anniversary. So, <laughs> uh, Oktoberfest for Dovetail and an anniversary party for us. Um, so, we've opened in 2012. Uh, we have a tap room in the North Center neighborhood. We're about uh, 132 steps south of Dovetail. Uh, we're distributed throughout Ch- Chicagoland, Illinois, and a little bit of Southeast Michigan. Nice. Um, but we brew approachable styles. Um, I started off as a home brewer, uh, made the conversion uh, about eight years ago to um, uh, commercial brewing, and okay. uh, yeah, here we are. So kind of inspired by uh, what I grew up drinking. Uh, grew up in Michigan drinking uh, Bell's uh, beer okay. back there, and then moved to Chicago um, and experienced a whole wave of craft beers from around the country and so we try to do kind of a little bit of everything um when you come in there's usually something on the board we want to have that you'll be interested in we have our flagships but then we also try to do some uh some seasonals and one-offs and so for for this season for the the fest season as we're coming into the fall we're getting away from now let's let's correct this misconception that i i seem to be pushing that some beers are seasonal right but you can drink if you like drinking Heavy, uh, heavy beers, or, or you know, a barley wine or a stout. If you like drinking that in the summer, that's cool. If you like drinking pilsners in the middle of winter, that's cool too, right? So we can drink whatever we want whenever we want. Absolutely. We actually, oh, Hoggett is, it, Hoggett it, is like, no, that is it, not uh, that is not the case. A, you know, to to an extent. Okay. Well, oh wow. No. All right. No, I like that. See. So where do we draw the line? I. You know what? No, I I agree with you. You 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 can drink whatever you want, but we won't make whatever you there, want. There you that's go. The, that's the thing. So you got. So we're very seasonal in our in our brewing. So uh, do you, I'm guessing uh, I'm guessing we have a, a a fest beer or a Martin. We have we brought a fest beer with us, and it's ah. a, it is a Martin. It's a, we brewed it back in March, um, and uh, we. Uh, uh, brooded especially for this uh, this festival that's coming up. Very nice. Uh, now, speaking of the festival, we'll get to the beers in a minute, but uh, I know the craft beer industry is is tight knit in town. Everybody everybody's uh, helping out, and, and nobody really, you know, maybe somebody talks bad about a brewery, but you know, but not too often. Everybody's helping. How do we? How do we get a big party with two breweries? How did this come about? Well, we uh, we opened up first. <laughs> And then uh, a couple keep, years... Keep throwing that down, Kevin. <laughs> We've been around a lot longer. Yeah, my favorite thing is uh, people be like, oh, yeah, you guys are over there by Dovetail, right? And I'm like, yeah, no. <laughs> they're, they're by us. Right? <laughs> they're by us. So. Um, but no, uh, it's cool. Um, I met Hagen and Bill. Man, I don't even remember. I had to do some covert... I remember uh, exactly. Sleuthing. Uh-oh. Yep. We, we, you, had a, you had a thing at your place for the, uh, the TIFF... Uh, oh, the tip zones. Right, we right, met. Right. We met the first time. For, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. But uh, got you know had heard uh, some some rumors that there was a brewery moving in next door to us, and um, I can't you know at, at the time I didn't know what to make of it. You know, I was going to say you yeah. have to be a little worried. You're, you know, I thought it was actually it was funny because Hagen's name I like Googled it, and his name is Hagen Dost. Yep. Or very similar to yes, ice cream, so right? certain ice cream manufacturer. Uh, so sure. I got a kick out of that right away. But um, you know, <laughs> we had heard through like the local alderman's office that there was a, possibly a brewery coming in, and so I tried to find out as much as I could. But after getting to meet these guys, you know, I couldn't ask for having better neighbors. And yeah. to your original question, I think you know it's amazing that we're separated by a street. And when you come out to the festival, it's like this space was meant 
to be a block party. It's right in between the train tracks. Okay. Uh, we have the CTA on one side and we have the Metro on the other side. And it's just, I walk out there when it's not a festival grounds and it's kind of boring. People park their cars. There'll be some graffiti sometimes. Yeah. Um, but it really comes alive um, in May and in October because we do this twice a year. Okay. Um, and it's really neat to see, you know, what we what it's come to be. We've done this one four times. This will be the fourth anniversary or fourth annual October festiversary. Hard to believe. Hard to believe. And then we've done the May one three times. So uh, every year we try to make it bigger and better and and add things. It's family friendly, dog friendly. Uh, we also raise funds. The festival is a uh, been a good fundraiser. We raise funds for our local. Uh, pet food pantry and also uh, food pantry. So okay. it's called the Friendship Friendship Center. Center. Yep, they're very so. nice. So what's the exact address? Because I know the I know the address of both the breweries, but where where's the where can people find? That? I'm sure if they go to either Beguile or Dovetail, they'll find the festival pretty easily. The party exactly. itself is is on the street uh, right in front of uh, of our tap room, which is 1800, 1800. West Bell Plain. Okay, yeah. so it's right in front of you. Yeah. Listen, I did. That's what I thought, but I didn't want Kevin. You know, I know you were there first. I didn't want there to be any sort of street uh, street problems. So it's not just you know. Of course, there will be wonderful beers coming out. There will be special things that are being tapped on Saturday and Sunday, October twelfth and thirteenth. But there's music, there's food trucks, there's all kinds of entertainment throughout the day, right? Yeah, so we have um, a great lineup of uh, food trucks and music, all local uh, music, um, local food trucks, some of our favorites that we work with throughout the year. Um, we feature a lot of food trucks outside of both of our establishments. Polina uh, Market's coming out to, to cook some brats. Polina Market, we've got nice. uh, Three-Legged Tacos, which is one of my favorite um, trucks in the city. They make... Um, Really great tacos. I should have worn my taco socks, but today I wore my pizza socks. <laughs> oh, I have some pizza socks. Yeah, They're pizza. fun, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Uh, but yeah, you so. also, since you mentioned it's dog friendly, you also have a dog food truck coming out. Not a dog, not a dog food truck, but a dog food truck for treats. Yep. With the dog and cat treat food. Yeah, yeah. So it's a uh, Fido to go. They're um, <laughs> they're a little food truck that sells um, dog treats. So you can get ice cream for your dog. You can get. Um, they have all kinds of like animal inspired treat shaped cookies. And uh, yeah, it's pretty neat. Very nice. Let's take a quick break because then we'll come back. Well, who are, before we do that, let's finish up with the and who are the highlights of the music? I mean, mm. all the bands I'm sure are going to be great both days. Is there anybody uh, anybody jumping out that you go, oh, I should be here Saturday at six? Or? Well, you know, the, the dovetail favorite is always the Prost Modern Band. Okay, it's a, a, a brass band composed of um, uh, players from the Chicago Philharmonic. Oh, that, that come out and play drinking songs. I like that. Yeah. That sounds very cool. Yeah. And when are they? Uh, when are they going on? They'll I'm be two o'clock on Sunday. Okay. Yeah, yep. they're, uh, it's uh, it's kind of a come early, stay all day kind of music lineup. Sounds so all right. We try to keep it. Uh, uh, Brett, our tapper manager, he uh, he holds down the five or six o'clock slot on Saturday with a Jimmy Eat World uh, cover <laughs> band. Uh, we're wow. still we're, we're still trying to get my all time favorite uh, representative out, and that's Shane. Okay, uh, Shane was in a band called the Funk Crusaders, and they headlined uh, one. Wow, year. Yeah. it was a great year. Yeah. And what happened? Uh, Is there a behind the music kind of uh, making of the band kind of story that you have a, to tell? It's a very dramatic story. Uh, our drummer moved to New York for work, and oh. our singer had twins. Uh, but we're going to figure out how to work around. The real that. world comes going. in and breaks up a band. It's tough, man. That's their awful. set last year was amazing. See, 
and now it just lives in like in the history books. No, no, we'll do it again. You're coming back? Yeah, All we're right. Coming back. Well, listen, we'll <laughs> get very excited. We are talking about the Oktoberfest anniversary, which is happening with uh, Beguile Brewing and Dovetail Brewing. It's October 12th and 13th, uh, right outside the street, right outside of Dovetail, 1800 West Bell Plain in Chicago. You can go to either dovetailbrewery.com or beguilebrewing.com to get all the information about the event. It is free, $5 suggested donation. You can always throw in a couple more bucks and five bucks. It all goes to help the Friendship Center. So don't be stingy. There's going to be a lot of great beers, special beers that we'll talk about that you're going to be tapping on those two days. Uh, there's food trucks. There's music. It's a lot of fun. The Oktoberfest anniversary will be back in just a minute. Talk a little bit more beer. If you have any questions, you can always uh, jump in. 312-981-7200. Very nice, Michael. Good job. Brian Noonan, Nightside, we're talking a little bit of beer with uh, Kevin Carey from Begano Brewing and Hagen Dost from Dovetail Brewing. Shane is here. Shane is the uh, brand, uh, brand, representative. brand representative from Dovetail. They are having their Oktoberfest anniversary, October 12th and 13th, from noon to 10 p.m., right outside Dovetail Brewery, 1800 West Bell Plain in Chicago. You can go to dovetailbrewery.com or beguilebrewing.com to get all the information. Uh, it is free, $5 suggested donation. We want you to give a lot more than that uh, because all the money goes to benefit the Friendship Center. So special tappings on both days because this is Oktoberfest time of year. So, Hagen, you have brought... Uh, tell, there, there are different kinds of fest beers because people hear Oktoberfest beers and they automatically think the darker kind of Martin, but that's... That's one, true. but there's another, a lighter fest beer, right? Yeah, there's the there's the paler fest beer, and that's that's the more modern uh, fest beer that they that they serve at the, what's called the Wiesen, the big the big festival grounds yeah. in in Munich. Uh, and I think that started like late eighties, early early nineties. They wanted something a little a little more drinkable, or, okay, or faster to drink. And then the fest beer is usually darker, maltier, maybe maybe a little higher ABV. Uh, and that that might be the key. Ah, <laughs> so, so can't quite sell as many if right. people can't drink as many. Right, right. So tell us about uh, tell us about Dovetail's fest beer. So uh, so uh, brewed in March, lagered uh, lagered for five months. Uh, it's uh, it's an amber amber colored beer. Um, it's it's brewed in a in a, a very traditional way to to em- to emphasize that that maltiness. Yeah. Um, uh it uh it, it's it's moderately moderately bitter but uh it goes down very very easy it's five or actually 6.3 percent oh okay uh, abv we uh we like to go for the the kind of the traditional yeah uh, make party level no it's it does it just has that that's very slight bitterness but the malt really comes through it's very yeah. good yeah, very, thank you. Very good you. what do you guys do uh at big isle for this time of year so uh we haven't typically brewed a beer for either festival um what we'll do is we'll put uh, uh one of our nor- uh, standard beers the summer we uh, at our may festival we put our, our boat shoes kolsch which okay. is a german style kolsch uh into a gravity keg uh supplied by dovetail um and what that, is a gravity keg gravity keg is pretty cool i learned the hard way how it works <laughs> <laughs> um but uh, everybody's got to learn. Yeah, everybody's got to learn. Uh, it is a wooden keg uh, that you fill, and um, you kind of just 
you tap it with a mallet and a thing. What's the thing? Yeah, the faucet. There's the a faucet. There's a, oh, okay. there's a brass faucet. Yeah. So you so you've got a little vent on top. You you yep. you turn the you turn the vent so the beer keeps flowing. You pound in the pound in the faucet, give it a turn, and you start you start pouring beer until it's and until we, it's gone. Yeah. And it's kind of a ceremony to kick off the day. So we'll we'll kick off the day on Saturday doing that. Very nice. Dovetail do that on Sunday. Um, what are you What are you going to have in the keg this year? You know, we haven't we haven't decided yet. Last oh. year, I think we did blonde. I, we don't have a fall. See, technically, we do have one. We have a, a an IPA that we're going to release next weekend. That's uh, kind of our farewell to to summer. Okay. Uh, we used to call it maybe next summer. We thought it was clever. <laughs> um, but uh, as anyone in the beer industry would tell you, naming a beer with summer in it and releasing it around Labor Day is a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, yeah. That seems. Uh, I don't know. So we changed the name. We actually changed the name to Float On. So if ah. that's around, we'll... Oh, there you uh, go. Yeah. Um, but we, one of the things that we focus on on these festivals that we've done, uh, our brewers, Nick and Liz, will do like adjuncts in some oh, different beers. So, okay. Uh, we had um, the Picnic Island uh, that you had. Yes. Yeah, um, the Cream Ale. That was really good. So we doctor it up uh, and we do like special tappings uh, in one of our... Um, buildings that we have out on the kind of in the festival grounds uh, if that's what we want to call it now um but we'll do i like, think so it makes it seem very yeah, festival you know huge and woodstocky yeah. <laughs> um happy 50th anniversary uh, <laughs> um but no we do um we did a pina colada version uh pineapple and coconut uh we did like a raspberry lime Ooh. version um and th- that kind of keeps things interesting um we'll also do that with stouts we'll throw in vanilla into like one of our barrel aged stouts nice. uh, and then we'll do time tappings and that's the fun way to you know we don't do a wider distribution of those types of beers but for the weekend it's fun to play around and and um, those are the ones that are, that are considered the special tappings for the for this yeah on our side yeah, yeah. yep yeah, so we kind of we focus on sh- showcasing some of our regular beers, but doctored up a little bit. Very nice. And what about uh, what about you, Hagen? What's what? Can you tell us what some of the special tappings will be, or is this a shrouded in beer mystery? Well, we are going to uh, definitely have one of our spontaneously fermented beers as a, yeah. a and uh, we haven't decided which one yet, but we've got some very special stuff coming up. So if you want to to find out what those beers are, just follow us on social media, and then you'll. This is very we'll exciting. See. This is the first that I'm hearing of this. <laughs> <laughs> it's that shrouded. <laughs> wow, that is. What does that mean? Spontaneous, uh, spontaneously fermented? So, is that what you so, said? Right. So we've got, you know, we do these like German and Austrian and Czech style beers, yeah. on kind of on the one side of our brewery, and on the other side, we do these uh, do these uh, uh, Belgian style beers uh, um, that. Um, you know, when you when you have a normal beer like the ones that we're we're drinking now, you you go to you go to a, a lab and you buy yeast, and that yeast takes the sugar and creates alcohol and CO two. Okay, uh, you know what you're putting in, you know what you're getting out. But with a spontaneously fermented beer, we have a, we have a, a a device called a cool ship, which is a very slow, flat, shallow pan, and we let the wort uh, cool overnight uh, every fall and every every spring, and the Wild microbes from uh, from the air around us uh, ferment the beer, and then two to three years later, you have a you have a finished beer. Wow! So the rest of these beers take weeks; those beers take years. Wow! That that sounds like a special beer to tap it is. and try. That's, <laughs> uh, that sounds really good. Well, it sounds like it's going to be a wonderful event. Again, it's October twelfth and thirteenth. It's the October Festiversary with Beguile Brewing and Dovetail Brewing. 
If you go to uh, BeguileBrewing.com or DovetailBrewery.com, you can get all the information. It is happening at 1800 West Bell Plain. It is beer. It is food. It is family-friendly. It is dog-friendly. There is food. There are food trucks. There is music all day. It's, it's going to be fun. Two days of the And you do it again in May. We do. Yep. I don't know. We take, a, we take a break. We, we got to look forward to the October <laughs> one. This is going to be this is going to be a lot of fun. Thank you guys for coming in. It's always great to talk beer with you and uh, and uh, good luck with this. Have, have a lot of fun. Us. It's Thanks going to so be much. great. All right, we've got to do this because Michael is yelling at me that we got to take a break and then it'll be news time and we'll see uh, we'll see what's happening. All right, it's seven twenty WGN. Brian Noonan on WGN Nightside here until one o'clock. Then it's Nick DiGilio. Well, it is officially September 11th, and um, you know it's it's a day that is going to is going to live in a lot of our memories for well for the rest of our lives. Those of us who were around uh, when the attacks occurred on that morning are never going to forget it. But I started thinking uh, yesterday as I was uh, preparing for the show. It's hard to believe it was 18 years, and I want to I want to talk to you if you want to share your memories of that day that's fine 312-981-7200 but i was also thinking about all the people like my daughter my daughter is 23 now she was it was it was she was going to kindergarten the morning that this happened so she doesn't really remember it she remembers it like i would remember pearl harbor or the kennedy assassination huge events, but I wasn't really connected to them. I learned about them in school. I've seen documentaries on them, but I don't, I can't conjure up the same emotion that I can when I think about 9-11 because I was an adult. I saw it happening. I knew people who were in New York at the time. Thank God I I was not uh, affected you know, with the loss of anyone that I cared about on that day, other than, you know, experiencing like we all did, the loss of all those people who died in the towers and at the Pentagon and in the field in Pennsylvania. And I was thinking about this. How do we, how do we keep this alive for the younger people who didn't live through it? They'll, they'll study it in school. And do we have to, do we have to push it more than we would push other tragic events in our history. Now we can argue, and I would I would say that it's true. This is, you know, the worst attack on our soil. Uh, so it does carry a different gravitas than other things. Um, there had been presidential assassinations before. Uh, it's a horrible tragedy, but we we move on through that. That's what our government is meant for. Uh, Pearl Harbor, unbelievable attack, horrible. Uh, it was during wartime. Things like that, I guess, are expected during a war. Not that, not that it makes it any easier, but that's what happens. Now, nine eleven, it was just a regular old Tuesday. You know, it was not uh, nothing, nothing big going on. And then, boom! All of a sudden, all of a sudden, we are uh, we are attacked like that, and things uh, things move on as best they can. If you remember that day, uh, you know, and afterwards, how eerie everything was. Now, Michael, you're a you're a young and you're a youngish guy. Mm-hmm. You're much younger than I am. Uh, how old do you? Uh, 
how old were you when 9-11 happened? Do you remember? I was a sophomore, so I was about 15 years old, I'm guessing. So that's old enough to know what's going on. That's old enough to be watching the news or hearing the reports and, and be affected. Yes. Yeah. It's not like it's not like you were, you know, one or two or, or hadn't even... There, there's people who haven't, you know... It's hard... Again, it doesn't seem to me 18 years to think, oh, like... My nieces mm-hmm. weren't around. They don't know nine eleven. It was now. It'll just be in their history books. My co- a lot of my cousins' kids are younger than eighteen. Well, all none of those kids will know. And when when I'm subbing in the older grades and it comes up, I have to remember this is now a history lesson mm-hmm. to to you and and I and uh, countless other people. It was a day in our life. Mm-hmm. So it's a hard. It's it's hard to I think uh, tell people or young people to give them what it's like to live through it if you haven't lived through it. You you are so spot on, Brian. The the way it also is a lesson in how history is crafted because if you th- if you remember back in that day, I was I mean I was, being fifteen years old. You I I knew something was going on. I knew it was a big event, but it, there was so much confusion I remember yeah. on that day that no one knew what was going on and the story just kept building throughout the week and I remember the shutdowns of Chicago's airports oh. was a big deal. The the flyovers that they did that following week, you know, you'd hear the sonic oh, booms yeah. and everything. Were you in did they keep you in school or did they send you home that day? They kept us in school and okay. and I went to a Catholic school in you know, uh, Woodstock, Illinois. So it was a very, very small town. It is a small town. And nobody knew what was going on. I mean, this yeah. is when they had to roll. We had no technology, so they had to roll in the TV. Roll the TV in like, on the cart. Sure, the yeah. Cart. So, the, so <laughs> the AV kids were living for that. Yes, we finally are popular. <laughs> Movie day. Um, <laughs> but 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 on that kind of day, it was it was weird because you're looking, there's no internet. Like the internet really, well, there was the internet, but it hadn't taken off. So the, the sharing of information was, wasn't as quick, so we everyone was still watching TV, listening to the radio stations, and then learning. You know, now that it's been so long, seeing the gravitas, like you said, of the story that was created from that one day, all yeah. the different elements. It's like, it's like I've lived two different lives. Like I, I've lived the the what I was going through in my own life, and now the magnanimous story of nine eleven. And that's a great point that, that we lived two lives. Mm-hmm. All of us who were around before nine eleven had a had a different way of life. And mm-hmm. I know people in other countries go, "Well, listen, you you were lucky. You you know, in America, you didn't have to do this." I think about the days, just simple things like going to the airport. You know, uh, people who would arrive ten minutes before their flight and just run through the airport. Mm-hmm. You know, I didn't. I never had to take my shoes off. I wasn't constantly uh, being told if I see something, say something. There weren't. I know there was crime. I'm not saying we lived in an idyllic uh, Nirvana-like state, but things were different. So we do. We did have a pre-9/11 and a post-9/11 for a lot of things. Uh, it just as you, as you get farther away from it, it's easy for people who didn't live through it to kind of just put it to uh, just a history lesson. But for anybody, for all of us who were alive during it, and I know it's uh, my parents' generation with with Pearl Harbor or any other, any you know people who were alive during World War II or all of that, it it sticks with you in a different way. Like I'm, we were living in Los Angeles at the time. 
And as I said, my daughter was in kindergarten, and my wife was going to work, and there was a, a phone call, and it was about 7 o'clock out in Los Angeles. And, and I'm like, who is calling us at this hour? And it was my sister-in-law, who was in Michigan, calling my wife to tell her to turn on the news because something had happened. So my wife runs in, and she's like, there was a, the, a bombing, there, uh, some sort of attack. Turn on the TV, we turn it on, and I'm watching, I forget what network I was watching, but it doesn't matter, they were all showing the same thing. It was nonstop coverage, and my wife said, well, i got to go to work. And she worked at the time in downtown Los Angeles, right across the street from the Staples Center, like so the, the commercial hub of Los Angeles. She got about halfway to work and got a call, and it happened, it happened here in Chicago, too, where they said, don't come in. We're evacuating all the, all the buildings. We don't, you know, because her building was one of the tallest in Los Angeles. And like you said, with confusion, nobody knew. Mm-hmm. Nobody knew what was next. So Chicago did the same thing. People were evacuating downtown. Los Angeles did the same thing. People were evacuating. And then we had the question, well, do we take our daughter to school? And the school was literally two blocks from our house. And school was open. We thought, well, this is probably better. So we took her to school, and then we came home. And I'll just watching the coverage nonstop and of course you know the first couple hours when things are still happening in in the pentagon and then you got the field in pennsylvania and we're like what is going on is there going to be more and i'm pretty good at at filtering tragic events i I can watch them and kind of be a little little rational i guess and and try to separate emotion until i see people in authority start to cry so when a police chief or a general, or the mayor of New York, or, or so it starts to cry. I'm like, oh man, this is you can't you can't be distance anymore. This is you're you're in this, and that's when uh, that's when I would break down. And I don't know, I like I I was able to process it as an adult, which is completely different than the way you as a teenager were able to process it. So yeah. you go home after school that day. Now now things by you know by three o'clock we know what's going on. Mm-hmm. Is it something as a teenager that you talked about with your friends? Do you talk about it with your parents? Because, like, our daughter was too young to. Re- we just uh, some bad some bad people did some bad things. That was when you're talking to a kindergartner. That's pretty much that's the extent of the story. How does that change when you're a teenager? It's that's a really really interesting way to put it because when you are young you can't understand what's actually happening and that's the way it was at at school like we were trying to gather newspapers anything that we could everyone was like what's going on then there was the idea of 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 controversies so there was just like you know scuttlebutt all around the school to see what was happening but when i went home it yeah my mom and my dad uh, they sat me and my brother down they were they were like this is what's happening this i can't believe that um we had these people from and also at that day nobody knew what had happened or who right were who, these who did it what how did who this did happen it? why did they did it um 
if it was going to continue happening. So it was a it was a lot of conversations of just whys, whys, why mom, why dad, why did why did this happen? Why do people do this to uh, to other people? And I remember seeing the news coverage, which was so interesting because they kept showing the same, you know, as yes. you said, the same footage of the Ugh. just like the plane going into the tower over and over again, and then seeing you know like that that remember that next building over uh, across from it, adjacent to the buildings, also collapsed that. Mm-hmm. And then you see all that smoke billow and go down that street. And the ash and everything. The ash. And so those images have been just, are just, have been stuck with me for years. Just the, I remember seeing the women and children and, and the men running on the street with their hands over their mouths yeah. with all the soot and everything and just seeing how much it affected the city was incredible. And the only thing that I kept thinking was like, what do we do? Like, are we are we safe to go yeah. to school? Are we safe to go to go out? And it wasn't until you know later on that week when everyone was glued to their TV screen that they're like, all right, it's going to be okay. You know, we're going to take these steps. It's interesting yeah. how we how we approached it because it is, and and the fact that you know, that being a teenager, uh-huh. you're not exclusive to the are we safe because everybody everybody felt that we hadn't seen yeah. that before. Other countries. Other countries, unfortunately, are used to bombings and and horrible things like that happening. America was spoiled. We were we were not used to that. So to have this happen, all of a sudden, it shakes the foundation of everybody's beliefs. It's like, well, wait, what? We're not. That's not supposed to happen here. Yeah, Why anywhere, is this happening? Anywhere else but here. It's right. not supposed to happen in New York downtown. Yeah. No, that doesn't. That doesn't no, exist. No, in the Pentagon. That's you know the hub of our military strength. Mm-hmm. That's that's getting attacked. And then you know then as the stories come out. But I don't know about you. Uh, I was only able to watch. I watched TV most of that first day, mm-hmm. but about and this is the weirdest thing, and I don't know why this was about three o'clock. In the afternoon, I was like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. I'm, I'm drained. I ended up washing all the windows in my house, and it's, it had to be a coping mechanism of just, I need to think of anything else right yeah. now, because I know I'll go back to the news, and I did. I went back that night, but after hours of watching the horror that we we were all experiencing, I was like, I got to do something mundane and grounded, and something that I've been putting off, and. I'm going to wash the windows. Yeah. And it was just, and I think back at it now, I go, that seems very weird. <laughs> all but the windows. All the way. Well, thankfully, we had a nice uh, one, one story house, and I was able to just go out, and the, the, the windows needed washing. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> I had neglected them out of uh, sloth, but uh, there was a point where I was just, I, we all felt that emotional. Drain. Just, just our guts were yeah. out there. It was, oh man. Do you remember Brian when? Uh, it's funny you say that you were washing windows and doing anything to distract yourself. Because remember when that happened? That month was the highest movie uh, percentage ever. Like, oh, was it really? The movies were because everyone was going. Well, to the sure, movies. you had to get out. You had to get out. I'll never forget how weird it was and to not hear a plane or yeah. see a plane. And it's it's those little things, and they're not they're in the whole scope of things. They're not little, but in our in your life, if you're not on a plane every day, but mm-hmm. you're walking down the street or you're going, to, you, you hear a plane, you look up, you see a plane. To not see anything mm-hmm. for all that time was was strange, and there was just the whole the whole thing was uh, I don't know. 
It was it's, n- no planes. Do you remember that they had everyone was a little bit nicer and everyone had a flag in their yard. Everybody had a flag. And you know what? Everybody got along. Mm-hmm. And we thought and I, you know, this is not a unique point to say that during that time, everybody thought, well, maybe this is what it takes. Maybe this is what it takes for politicians to actually come together and realize that the country as a whole is bigger than one party and so we're going to work together mm-hmm. and of course then that ran its course and you know we had to worry about french fries mm-hmm. you know that that oh, uh, you know yeah, let's, I forgot let's all about yeah that. let's not that's let's ridiculous. not focus on the big thing let's not focus on getting everything done together let's make freedom fries mm-hmm. cuz those darn french let people fly through their airspace and we don't want to eat french fries <laughs> shut up i'm going to mcdonald's i'm eating french fries am i going to be you know worried about defending my country yeah but Mm -hmm. sometimes you need a french fry Mm -hmm. and i'm not calling it a freedom fry because that's just stupid yeah but the whole it was so dumb (laughs) but you're right there was there was a feeling of we're all in this together now Mm -hmm. because we had been attacked the 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 country it wasn't just it wasn't just new york it wasn't just the pentagon it wasn't just a plane full of uh of poor people who you know ended up going down in pennsylvania Mm -hmm. it was all of us so for a very short time, out of tragedy came a real feeling of unity mm-hmm. and a real, a, a real singularity of purpose that we are going to protect our country and, and keep, keep going. And we're going to bounce back. And we did. Um, and I, I don't know. Have you, been to, uh, have you been to Ground Zero? You know, I, I have. I, it's, it's, it's an incredible feat what they it's did. It's unbelievable. Yeah, and the Freedom Tower is amazing. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, my dad works as, as a banker, so we were actually in, oh, in New York maybe two or three months before it happened and yeah. went into the World Trade Center just to, to walk around and to think that that's what happened just a few months later. You know, it's just all just a, a crazy, crazy occurrence. But, yeah, that uh, the Ground uh, the ground Zero places, they did an, ama- an amazing job. They did an amazing amazing job there and it's it's a beautiful tribute uh but what i what i like the most was the new world trade center is even taller Mm -hmm. and it's like a giant middle finger going hey (laughs) screw you uh yeah you knocked us down but guess what we got back up and we're doing uh we're doing as good or better as we did before we're gonna take a quick break when we come back let's uh let's have a little audio from that day just a little uh, little reminder it's just a, a few minutes mashup uh we'll make sure that we tell people that this is not actually happening again thank god but uh we'll do that all right after this on 720 wgn Brian Noonan, WGN Nightside, here until 1 o'clock. Then uh, your friend of mine, Nick DiGilio, comes on. He'll take you all the way till 5 o'clock. Uh, spending a little time talking about the 18th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks. Uh, just real quick, another uh, text from the 815. I was a senior in high school at Cary Grove. We all listened via radio. The dynamic between teacher-student changed that day as us students cried as our teachers cried too. Had a number of classmates join the Army soon after. Everything's changed after that day in many ways. That is uh, definitely true. All right, I told you we would play uh, a little bit of audio about what was happening here on WGN that morning. If you're just joining us, this is this is from 18 years ago. This is not. Uh, there's no breaking news now. Everything seems fine. But uh, this is a little bit of what was happening on the morning of September 11, 2001. Spike O'Dell was our morning man then. He was uh, he was on the air. 
And uh, things throughout that day sounded a little like this. We're going to uh, break in here. There's a breaking story going on out of, uh, is this New York, Tommy? Looks like, and we're getting initial reports, that it looks like a plane crashed into one of the towers of the World Trade Center. I heard the plane very close to the top of the buildings. I looked outside and I saw it hit and it exploded immediately. Black smoke is pouring out of some of the upper floors. It, it almost looks like somebody intended to do that. It had to have been at least one plane, possibly two. Uh, the, um, the the fires in the two buildings are at separate levels. It is horrific. A uh, second plane the size of a passenger jet flying into the second tower of the of the World Trade Center. And did you see the second plane come in? Yeah, I, I, saw, yeah, I saw the second plane go boom. They're going into uh, what they call an archangel operation, which is a code name for uh, essentially a major lockdown of the city, evacuating the United Nations building, the municipal building. I saw what was like this enormous explosion in the sky, which must have been the first tower going down. The FBI is already investigating reports that a plane was actually hijacked. I did hear a large explosion, and the ground here in Brooklyn shook. My windows rattled. The city is ordering a major evacuation from a number of public buildings and a number of these very high-profile targets. A firefighter screamed, stop, run, and I turned, and as I turned, I saw this enormous fireball rolling down at us. Anything else, John? What happens at the Pentagon at a moment like this? There is a particular counterterrorism cell uh, within the Joint Chiefs of Staff. And now another story out of Washington that the Pentagon was the target of another plane. Well, you can hear it. Just listen. north of the World Trade Center, the entire building has just collapsed as if a demolition team set off, when you see the old demolitions of these old buildings, it folded down on itself and it is not there anymore. By that time, we were engulfed in the thickest black acrid smoke and particle mass. We couldn't breathe, we couldn't see. I can hear them screaming, uh, signal 1013. The landscape of New York City has just been changed. Uh, September 11th, 2001 is another day that will live in infamy. Anyone who attacks the United States killing innocent people the way it's happened today, clearly by design, is going to pay a price. This is so complicated an operation that one reason we weren't ready is that no no one believed there was an organization with either the intention or the capability to execute something like this. America's united. The freedom-loving nations of the world stand by our side. This will be a monumental struggle of good versus evil, but good will prevail. And uh, despite some blips along the way good has prevailed and uh good will prevail again so there you go it's uh i don't i don't want to be one of those people who never forget you, you can't forget of course you can't forget if you live in this country and whether you were alive 18 years ago or you're learning about what happened 18 years ago in school you will never forget it it has defined this country uh in negative ways but also in positive ways to show that yes we can get uh and it sounds sappy but we can't get knocked down and we come right back so um we'll just uh take a moment and think about that today and think about all the lives that were lost and do me a favor if you ever get a chance to go to new york and go to ground zero don't be the idiot taking a selfie in front of ground zero 
I'm all for listen, I'm all for selfies. I'm all for uh, documenting every moment of your life on social media if that's what you want. But uh, nine uh, the nine eleven memorial at Ground Zero is not the place to take a selfie. And whether you were, whether you believe this or not, there were people doing it when I was there. And it's like shut up, just just stand here quietly. And even if you don't have any thoughts in your little pinhead, pretend you do. And respect the fact that all those names that are carved into uh, the sites of Tower 1 and Tower 2, all those names are people who aren't here anymore. So you taking a picture going, hey, man, fantastic, I was in New York. No. If you want to take a picture of it, of the of the actual memorial, that's one thing. But... I don't need to see selfie sticks and people posing and girls doing duck lips on uh, on the Ground Zero Memorial. That's just me, Michael. I'm old fashioned that way. You know, I don't go. I don't go to Pearl Harbor Mm-mm. and you know do crazy salutes. I'm not going to any uh, you know a Lincoln's war memorial. Tomb. I'm not going to Lincoln's <laughs> Tomb and holding the pistol to my head. I'm not you know. I'm not doing any of that stuff. Now, probably not, not in good taste. You know. Well. Again, some people may say that's old fashioned. Mm-hmm. Why do you care? Mm-hmm. But I, I don't. Come know. on, old man Newton, get yeah. with it. <laughs> get with this it. You got to have selfies. How do you know I was at Ground Zero <laughs> if I'm not in? Gr- well, I don't know. If you just have a picture of Ground Zero, I'm going to guess you were there. Yeah. You know. Plus, I, I don't know. So it, it, it just bothers. It, me. It's like when <laughs> remember when uh, the the cathedral was was burning in Notre Dame. Was, yeah, yes. in Notre Dame, and everyone was taking their photos, and they're like, "Why are you taking photos at this? At this? <laughs> it's like a church that is burning." Well, if you're taking a picture of of the church mm-hmm. burning, that's one thing. That's you know, people take pictures to document things. Yeah, like I took I, that. I took a couple pictures of the of Ground Zero. Mm-hmm. But I was not in them, smiling and waving like an imbecile. And my daughter was not in. Nobody posed for this picture. No. I stood and mm-hmm. I was like, "This is this is a powerful image that I want I want to remember." Mm-hmm. And so I took the picture. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't, you know. There's no. It could have it could have been a stock photo for all anybody knows. Yeah. Because there's nothing in there that goes, "Oh, this is Brian's picture of Ground Zero." He's giving no. the peace sign. Right, yeah, right on. Like, Number one. I'm wearing a, you know, wearing a red hat and I'm flipping people off. Uh, I'm playing a Toby Keith album in the background. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, all right. Let's... America. America. I love America. Mm-hmm. Just not that version of America. Mm-hmm. Uh, but anyway, that's a, that's a whole other thing. We're not going to, you know. But it's you. It is an incredible piece of piece of uh, artwork that they that they created, and, and just the monument and and the uh, the memorial that it it speaks to how much we care about our country and our people. You know what I'm saying? Well, it, and it's also a great. I think it was a brilliant move on the city of New York's mm-hmm. part to say, "Listen, this is this is a scar on this city." Mm-hmm. And we're going to let you see the scar. We're not going to we're not going to build over it and pretend it didn't happen. We're going to we're going to leave the the wound open, and you're going to have to look at it and deal with it. But you know what? Right next door, we're building another giant tower because mm-hmm. we'll this one this one hurt us. Yeah, but this one, it's not. We're back. So I think it was it was brilliant on their part. I didn't get to go. The only thing I didn't get to do was go into the museum part. Mm-hmm. I was outside, and I went to both uh, to both sites outside, but I didn't go into the museum part. But next time we go to New York to visit our daughter, we're gonna 
Jeez. That's on the list. Yeah. You, you know, it's it, New York's so cool. And, and the other thing that I was thinking about is all the good for, for people that has been brought, like the attention that Jon Stewart, you know, brought to the firefighters union where he was able to get money for these people who were going through with the issues with uh, fighting uh, for us during that time. Yeah. Um, it's just, it's it brings to light that we need to be there for your fellow man right. um and and and, and you know be, it's a terrible event but at least we're you know we're still trying to work to do good things and we're still here and we're still here and we're still moving on and we're here so much that we're able to give away discounted popcorn we'll talk about so i want to talk this i got to talk about this because uh things that everybody else seems to love that you despise mm-hmm. and you don't understand why you seem to be the only one We'll get into that and why I've been thinking about that today. After this, 720 WGN. Brian Noonan, WGN Nightside, here for a little while. Just a few more minutes, and then Nick DiGiulio will be here. All right. What I'm about to say has nothing to do with any particular company. But uh, Garrett Popcorn is selling its famous Chicago mix for 70 cents this week. It's their, They're celebrating their 70th anniversary, and... They're selling bags of popcorn for 70 cents. Only between, that's right, only between 11 and 1. So lunchtime, if you're working downtown, uh, go. And I'm sure the lines won't be long at all. I'm sure you'll be able to waltz right up there and get yourself a big steaming bag of popcorn and uh, move on. That that place, I got it. God bless those people. I wish I had, uh, you know, half the initiative that these Garrett's people did. They were able to take popcorn and turn it into a bazillion dollar industry. God bless them. It's crazy. It is crazy. I've even at the airports, the lines are out. They're outrageous. Out down on the, on the street, on the stores, lines are around the block. And so, if you want, listen, I'm going to guess if you want a seventy cent bag of Chicago mix, you better start lining up about I don't know nine thirty. Better, uh, Michael, you go line up now. I think if you want <laughs> I, some tomorrow, I get a sleeping bag. Yeah, so I'll it's just ready. this week. Uh, seventy cent bags are available uh, uh, until Friday from eleven to one. Uh, you can't. You can only buy one, but that's it. All right. Here's the thing. This is what got me thinking about this, and it has nothing to do with Garrett's. You can put any type of popcorn in there. The Chicago mix is caramel corn and cheese corn. Correct? Yes. I love caramel corn with a passion rivaled only by my dedication to my family. Uh, if it came down to a point where I had to save some caramel corn or random people on the street, I would have to take a moment to think about it. <laughs> I would probably save the people, and I say probably because it depends on my mood, my uh, level of hunger, and uh, whether I'm dieting that day or not. <laughs> so, But the point is, I love caramel corn. On the flip side... I feel about cheese corn like I feel about genocide. <laughs> I'm not for it. I don't I I don't like cheese corn. I've never liked cheese corn. I think it's an abomination against God and mm-hmm. corn. And so to take what to me is one of the most perfect snack foods on the planet, i.e. caramel corn, and mix it and in fact bastardize it with this this hybrid of cheese and maize just it bothers me and yet i know my opinion i am i am way in the minority on this 
I'm guessing from the way you're looking at me, I have a feeling you are one of these, oh, I like to mix it all together. <laughs> Wait, you're saying you're in the minority of uh, people Of not like wanting to cheese. mix it. I don't want it mixed. Oh. I don't want the cheese corn touching the caramel corn. It ruins it. I don't... It's an unholy union, Michael. It's as if... It's, it's like two species that weren't supposed to mate in a wax paper bag it's mm-hmm. it, it just it's wrong it's it's biblical it, it, it the 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 amount of horrific horrificness which isn't a word but i'm so bothered by it it's it, it scales the mountain of bad mm-hmm. it's the mount everest of horrible <laughs> to put cheese corn in with caramel corn it, it's like you're eating ice cream with like a jalopy sandwich or something like that. And I, I totally agree. What made them want to? Because I'm on your side. I'm not a sweet, savory, let's mix it all up kind of guy. Mm-hmm. I like my waffle and syrup a little separate from my sausage or bacon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't need it all mixed together. You know, so I don't know what made them mix it together. You know what? Probably one day they were short on inventory on both. <laughs> or some, you know, somebody came in all hammered. Mm-hmm. They'd been drinking all day, you know, some wino, some sterno bum, a stumble bun, wandered in with $2, uh, that one, and suddenly we've got a phenomenon. And again, this is not, this is not against Garrett. Mm-hmm. This is not, nothing against Garrett. I'm a fan of their caramel corn. Mm-hmm. Love it. But the mix, I don't get it. So my question was, what is, what is something else that people really love that you just go, I don't, boy, I don't get that at all. Mm-hmm. Whether mm-hmm. it's food or whether it's uh, music or TV, there's everybody's got everybody's got that thing. Mm-hmm. So I, I interrupted you, but you started saying, "Are you uh, are you a fan of the two together? No, are you a fan I'm... of inter interspecies <laughs> corn mingling?" I, uh, you're obviously very passionate about it, and, and I can appreciate. This that. is the hill I choose to die on, Michael. <laughs> a lot of people choose uh, hunger. Or uh, you know, uh, people uh, equal rights, mm-hmm. or uh, any kind of big important uh, hills to die on. I choose the keep. I'm a segregationist. Mm-hmm. Please don't pull that. That's, don't that's don't pull that out of context. <laughs> out of context. New to the other night. Oh my God! He said he was a segregationist. <laughs> Only when it comes to popcorn. Everything else, I think, should mingle equally. Che- but, cheese and caramel can live together happily. Uh, they uh, but, can separate but, but equal. Cheese and caramel. Why don't they do what I was? Why is that the Chicago uh, mix? When obviously kettle corn and the caramel corn would make a much better mix oh, together. See, and I'm not a kettle corn guy. Oh, I know that now. I don't no, no that I don't. I don't. I don't have. <laughs> I I believe kettle corn should exist, and mm-hmm. I have nothing against people who enjoy kettle corn. <laughs> and I think cheese corn. Do you know ex- what the kettle corn people needed to go through for thousands of years? I know Brian. the oppressed. The oppressed kettle corn population of this country is finally rising up, and I appreciate that. Every festival, every street fair, everywhere, kettle corn people standing in unison going, "We will be represented here at overpriced bags of lukewarm popcorn." I get it. I'm I'm a fan. I do love warm popcorn. That's, oh, that's another hit. I tell you what, warm caramel corn. <laughs> You might as well. If I have a bag of warm caramel corn, there's a good chance I don't care if you kill me right after that. (laughs) You know, it's like, all right, well, I pretty much, I've pretty much reached my peak. Mm -hmm. So now I can, uh, now I can move on to something else.
Yeah, that's oh man, it's it, now you're getting me hungry. But that cheese, <laughs> you know, when you look at the bottom of every single, I mean, we've gotten Garrett's many, many times here at WGN, and every time you open that tin, you see at the bottom the cheese is always near the top. I know, no one eats it that, right. Who's, who's See, eating all I don't this know cheese? who's eating the cheese popcorn. It's the same people who want Cheetos. It's <laughs> I don't know. I don't get it. I mm-hmm. and I'm not anti-cheese. Mm-hmm. I know that may be how I'm uh, how I'm being perceived right now. That may be the new the new uh, sticker that's put on me. My Brian Noonan. Oh, I've heard of him. He's anti-cheese. <laughs> anti-cheese. Not at all. I'm not anti-cheese. I think cheese has its place. Uh-huh. I don't quite believe that what is on cheese popcorn or Cheetos is actually cheese. I think you're a fan of cheese. You're not a fan of the the, the finger licking cheese. I don't. Where it's yes, on your hands all the time. In your face. However, I will occasionally, uh, if I'm at a party and there is a bowl of uh, Doritos. I'll have a few Doritos. Okay. I'm not going to lie to you. Very true. That's you will take that kind of bullet. I'll I mean, take the hit. It's, it's good on a Dorito, mm-hmm. but usually that Dorito goes along with other b- barbecue fare. Perhaps <laughs> a hamburger, a hot dog, uh, seventeen beers, whatever, whatever it is uh, that makes me say to myself, "Yeah, you know what? I I could eat. Uh, I'll lick my fingers." Because you look like a savage. Yeah, you do. Plus. Yeah. That's the reason I won't eat out of those big tins. No. I always get individual size uh, caramel corns because I don't want people who've been <laughs> licking the cheese off their fingers and reaching into the tin. Because you know, in this joint, nobody's using a, a cup or a scoop. They're no. all putting their dirty maws in there, and uh, you know they they've been touching these keyboards that all look like they've been dipped in chicken grease. <laughs> so you know that it is the least hygienic food conveyance system. In the world. Next to the bar peanut, the, Gar- <laughs> the WGN. <laughs> oh, my. Garrett's popcorn. <laughs> Have you, do they do that anymore? Yes. I've been to a couple places, and it depends on it depends on the time of de- night when you go, I'll eat some of those peanuts that have been <laughs> right. sitting out in a bowl since happy hour, and every drunk businessman mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, woman of the night, <laughs> everybody has been putting their hands in there, and it's like... And I want to believe the old wives tell that, hey, alcohol will kill everything. Mm -hmm. One, alcohol kill us. But two, I don't think it's going to kill all those germs. Uh, No. I don't don't think that's actually going to happen. If you put a black light on that thing, it would turn up like... It would turn up orange. If I go drinking with Dave Savini and he pulls out the black light, I am going to... First, I'm going to go, where were you hiding that thing, Savini? Because he pulls out this giant black light. You didn't bring a bag. Is that in your pocket? Your pants aren't that blousy. Where where did you have that? How many beers did I have before you pulled out that Listen, don't come to my car. You don't get to follow me home. You can shoot it at the bar and that's it. Uh, Yeah, so I I can't imagine. That was a... Michael? Kudos! That was a great reference. Well, the, the yeah, bar peanut. The bar peanut. There used to be a place I would go to where you'd, and it was this is the one place I would eat the bar peanut because you could you could throw them on the floor and getting the chance to throw anything on, on a on a public place oh. floor is very very satisfying. I agree. The peanut the the bar peanuts in the shell. Mm-hmm. I will eat like I've been held hostage. <laughs> Those I will eat. Oh, you're it's, talking about just the loose. I'm talking about like planters. a loose, dry roasted. Like somebody took they vac unvacuum sealed the can of planters. They pour it in there, or there's you there's sometimes also like the uh, the mix that's a little pretzel and a little uh-huh. cheese log and uh-huh. a little uh, that's, like Melba that toasty thing? king. What is that? That's yeah, I know what you're talking. Yeah, about. Yeah, it's uh, it's so that's out there too, and. There've been. T- I'm not going to lie. Listen, I've been gluttonous in the past. I've I've made bad choices. I'm not. 
I think I think it's obvious. Uh, you know, if you listen, to, if you've listened to me for any number of shows, you mm-hmm. realize my life is made up of bad choices. <laughs> eating eating open air bar food uh, is one of those choices. But if it doesn't kill you, it only makes you stronger, right? Look Your immunity. Me. I'm like yes. I, you. There's nothing that can penetrate my immune system right now. <laughs> I I've you know I've done some things. I've been around. <laughs> I think we see. We, I was telling you that I'd love to hear you riff more. This is a show that I think this we is could a, dive oh in. sure all the things that Brian Noonan has. Brian's bad choices. <laughs> it's a holiday special. We're going to run it around Christmas. Uh, Cody and I will produce it. It'll be fantastic. You can listen. Uh, it'll probably be like eight hours. Uh-huh. I'm not going to lie. So we'll have to split it up. It'll be a serialized thing, like back <laughs> yes. in the day. Uh, but well, you know, maybe we podcast it so people can listen to it at their leisure. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, a cautionary tale. This is none of this is uh, none of this is hey uh do what i do this is uh, do as i say not as i do you're like the evil knievel of radio is that right yeah why because i'm just a burning mess when i hit the ground <laughs> no, i try to jump over a bus and it doesn't happen or is it my flashy jumpsuits oh you know what it might be a little bit of the both <laughs> and, and, and the, fact, the fact that you've guts to eat the bar peanut and put up with the cheesy garrets i think that that speaks oh i don't put up with it, it. I let I let it you know I live and let live anybody and it's again I don't want Garrett's to think this is uh, anti Garrett's because I'm not anti Garrett's mm-hmm. I'm anti uh, I'm anti popcorn integration mm. I think popcorns should all be separate Did you do Did you do the milk duds and, and popcorn ever at the no, movie theater No That's, why that's would, one no. That's one thing that everyone loves that I can't stand I I, I can't get into it That's No I've never done it I, It sounds it, why? <laughs> we all like sweet and savory, Brian. That's what we like. You don't know anything. You don't have the evolved taste buds. You just like one thing and that's all. <laughs> evolved taste buds. Yeah, you got to evolve.